0: All right, welcome to the Footy Museum and the Footy Museum podcast. I am the exhausted Justin Witte, and I am joined as always by my co-director of the museum, Maria Van Lee. Hi, Maria.
1: The exhausted, <laughs> the equally exhausted Maria Van Lee.
0: Maria and I are <laughs> in the midst of putting together a large um, and somewhat crazy exhibition on Andy Warhol and... We both had long days. Maria did a lot of unexpected painting today <laughs> at, the, at an actual museum, but we'll, we'll save that for a different podcast. Maria, what yeah. are you thinking? Of, but today was also actually good for you, right? There was something good that happened today, just like on our oh last my gosh. podcast. Yeah.
1: Don't tell my boss, but I caught the Leeds Forest game.
0: <laughs> I won't tell him. He's such a jerk. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's the worst. Um, What I could catch of the Leeds Forest game was extremely exciting. Even the, I mostly just listened to the commentary, but the commentators were like, wow, this is exciting. And I was like, I bet, as I listened to Leeds win, finally, 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 finally.
0: The yo-yos, I mean, from, well, I think our our last pod was after they beat, Wolves and they moved from like the bottom three to 14 and then something happened in between and they they, oh, lo- yeah. they uh, lost to some small club <laughs> we won't go into it no they, they you got know, Arsenal put them in their place and then um the huge game against Forest and now they were down I think what were they at 17th and now they're up to
1: 13th? they were into they were into eighteenth. They, and now they were all 13th. the way into
0: eighteenth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a...
1: They were back down in the zone. Oh. Um so yeah, very very exciting. And I Forrest scored first so I wasn't hopeful. But then the lads came back. It was awesome.
0: I had kind of the opposite experience with the fire where they they played actually a decent game against Miami over a week ago and then this past weekend played probably one of the most painful Ugh. boring awful soccer matches i've ever seen you know, dc united. i really don't
1: even i don't remember oh my much gosh, of it, at it all. was
0: just like did anyone tell anyone that they were supposed to be <laughs> i felt so bad because christian benteke is on uh, dc united and there was one point they showed him and the look of regret and confusion on that man's face <laughs> so <laughs> painful <laughs> And uh, and your former leads man. Um, oh, yeah. Click. Click is also on DC. Yeah. Also didn't look too happy. Um, no. Anyway, what else is going on? Um, the Red Stars are off to a uh, tough start. A
1: poor start. What's yeah. that? Uh, I think we cursed them. We I did. I think we hyped them up. And our podcast only follows losing teams.
0: Yeah, and now they've started off the season by only losing. <laughs> but they look good in those kids. They look great. <laughs> but they're, it's not like they're getting blown out. You know what I mean? It's like, And it's early, no. so I have a lot of faith in the, in the Red Star yeah. for sure. And then we have crazy CCL action going on tonight, the U.S. Open Cup, lots of fun things. Um, but I'm excited because today we have our first supporters group or members from our first supporters group on the pod. So we reached out to uh, Florida Noise, which is a supporters group for St. Louis City, SC, all caps City, City. <laughs> because we wanted to speak to some supporters surrounding this club that's been off to such an amazing start. They were undefeated until they came up against the um, Northern Lights Kits of Minnesota United and they were blinded by their awkward ugliness and <laughs> they gave up their first loss. But still 5 and 1, they're still top of the supporter shield and Western Conference race. So we spoke to Zach and Sam from Florida Noise um who are longtime uh supporters of soccer in St. Louis and have been one of the more audible <laughs> um Fan groups, supporters groups for St. Louis City about supporting this club, this new club, the kind of the vibes going on in St. Louis, and a little bit about the history of soccer in that great city. So I'm excited about this interview. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm super excited to hear perspective on a winning MLS team.
0: (laughs) That's a burn. That's a burned Chicago fire. Okay.
1: Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry.
0: (laughs) All right, let's go to the interview. This week, we are very fortunate to be joined by two individuals who are part of something very exciting that's been happening down in St. Louis. For those of you who are aware, uh, St. Louis City SC is a new team in Major League Soccer. And they have started the season on fire, breaking the league record for five consecutive wins. I won't mention what happened after that, Um, but they've also built a beautiful soccer-specific stadium in beautiful downtown St. Louis. And that stadium has been filled with very knowledgeable and excited fans, fans fueled in large part by excellent supporters groups. And we are fortunate enough today to speak with uh, Zach Zaya and Sam Wise, who are members of Florida Noise, a supporters group in St. Louis, who support uh, St. Louis City SC. Sam and Zach, welcome. And pleasure. Um, Marie and I have been following uh, the club, I think with a lot of people because it's new. Um, and there's been a lot of hype about the amazing stadium that was built downtown. But I think there was a lot of question about what the product would actually be with this team because there weren't any huge signings. There wasn't a lot of like noise around big DPs coming in. Um, but I think that the team surprised a lot of people. where They came out with a very clear... Uh, Playing style, mindset, and really a unity you don't see in a lot of new teams. But I think what a lot of people have also been taken by is the atmosphere um, surrounding the club with the supporters and supporters groups. And obviously St. Louis has a rich history of soccer. It is really arguably the soccer capital of the U.S. when you look at a lot of the history in this country. Um, oh, don't but, tell
2: Casey you said that. <laughs> I know,
0: I've been following you. I've been following your feud online. Don't worry about it. I'll say whatever I want about Kansas City. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious, um, what is the history of Fleur de Noise, and are you guys something that just kind of developed um,
2: with this new club, or do you have kind of a history prior to that? I mean, that's kind of a trick question, because Florida Noise, as the group itself, um, is an iteration of, kind of like most of St. Louis soccer, um, kind of an iteration of something that came before it. So um, we were um, part of the largest supporters group in St. Louis was the St. Louisans. Uh, They've been around um, since AC St. Louis. They're just a bunch of fans that got together and watched soccer together. And then when, unfortunately, that team, uh, along with Athletic, folded, um, they started just supporting a, a team that played in kind of a public park, um, uh, college kids on, on summer breaks, which is um, kind of where I jumped in. And we were all just hanging out, and then we got a, a USL team um, in St. Louis FC in 2015, and I picked up right around then I wanted to get on the ground floor because I was very much into making noise at soccer games. I'm very, very loud. Um, (laughs) And so I, I got in on that very, very early. Um, and was part of the group that helped found the drum line for St. Louis FC. Um, And then Sam, who had been around um, for many years, and I'll I'll let him tell his side of it jumped in and um, through the years of St. Louis FC. And then, um, coming into St. Louis City, we knew we wanted to create something, but also we knew that it wasn't just going to be the St. Louisans that were going to be here. We knew that there were going to be more groups that were going to pop up, and we wanted to take the the noise section and make it agnostic in a way um, to make it more open to the larger supporter group. Uh, landscape in St. Louis. We didn't want people to feel intimidated by walking into the St. Lugan drum drumline if they were a punk or if they were in STL Santos or if they were in another group that we don't even know about yet. So, um, Florida noise was kind of born out of that necessity of creating a, a, a space that was a little bit less branded, um, as a supporter group and then kind of allowed us to create our own identity, uh, within that. So, um, we're we're kind of unique in the sense that we've been around for quite a while um but this is our our new name or our new brand okay. of uh Ford and noise
0: sam did you have anything to add to that
3: uh, i mean zach really uh hit it on the head uh, very similar to how he came around uh i went to a number of ac st louis games uh back in 2009 2010 uh, uh, never got involved with soccer supporters culture, but it was always, you know, looking at the guys on the other end of the field who are tailgating and, ch- and chanting and, and heckling and just really having a good time. Uh, when St. Louis FC came around, I knew it was, uh, you know, a group that I wanted to be a part of. That this was a soccer team that I wanted to be a part of. Uh, the easiest way to do that with minimal social effort is to start playing the drum in, in the drum chord. You know, uh, so I, I had a buddy of mine who who's a drummer, and he had a free drum, and they were looking for more drums, and it it all just kind of fell into place.
0: And I'm curious um, now in this new iteration with this most recent version of a, a St. Louis uh, uh, club. You know what would you say beyond that that inclusive mission which you stated so clearly what do you what do you feel that makes your supporters group unique in terms of your presence um, at games
3: you know our goal is not just you know to zach's point to make noise we're both really good at it uh, but it's also to engage not just the players on the field or the you know the other 3,000 people in our section on our end, but really to to try and engage the entire stadium and create, you know, a comprehensive atmosphere that a visiting team or a visiting player doesn't want to be a part of, but a St. Louis City SC player can thrive and and find another gear in and really use the energy that we're bringing to you know to elevate their game and, and find success on the field.
1: So what you're saying is you guys are completely responsible for the five game winning streak. At the
2: start of the season. Oh god, there are some people on the internet that would love me to say yes to that. Oh boy. Uh, say yes.
1: Say yes.
0: There's no. something about your music that makes other teams pass to Klaus. <laughs> Joe <laughs> Joe Klaus's ability
2: to be invisible at 6 foot 3 is the reason we are 5 and 0. Oh. <laughs> they've they've built a heck of a team that none of us really knew what to expect anything from. You mentioned it in the very beginning of, you know, we didn't build an MLS club from previous MLS players. We mm-hmm. brought in Lutz to go out and build Lutz's style of football club. And none of us knew if that was going to be... Um, just very interesting, as Lutz himself is very, very interesting, or if that was going to be very good in the way that Lutz at times was very, very good in his career. Um, so it's it was a very... None of us knew what to expect, but as I alluded to before we started recording, we've not always been good. So many of us who have been around for St. Louis soccer for many years didn't expect greatness. We just expected people to go out and play for the city. And I think that in the heart of what we do um, as a supporter group, that is what we're doing. We're going out and playing for our city. Um, and I think Florida Noise, as a organization, very much takes on the mantle of not just cheering for the soccer team, but we cheer for the city in everything That's that we awesome. do. We try to... You know our, our mission is live, loud, and local, so everything we do we try to source from St. Louis. We try to get involved in the type of activities that we think are going to help build up St. Louis. Like, um, one of our groups, groups the Thieves, does uh, neighborhood cleanups, and they do... Um, Give away or, uh, handouts to the, the unhoused and they, they're they just recently, we're going to go do something on Saturday with the food bank um, in St. Louis. So very much encourage our members to be feet on the ground um, on all levels of St. Louis. Um, and trying to make it a better place through everything that we do. So, you know, we're goofballs that are loud and we yell silly songs and, <laughs> and we bang on the drums until our hands bleed. But we also do legitimately want to try and build up St. Louis however we can do that through the platform that we have. And I feel like that is something that maybe, I, I don't think it makes us unique. I think a lot of supporter culture is that in, in the United States, Mm-hmm. Um supporter culture here gets bad mouth sometimes for being called plastic or being um right. fake or whatever but I think what people mistake for plastici- plasticity or or you know virtue signaling is really just a group of people who are trying to go out and do something better in their their community That maybe other people aren't doing or or just trying to find a way of of synergizing the energy that we have and we bring to a soccer game we're trying to find a way to bring that same energy to cleaning up a local park yeah
1: so i'm curious just like what the timeline of this was doing all of these community efforts something you were able to mobilize and do before the founding of um st louis city or were you uh were you able to do that before as a supporters group for the previous clubs or is this something that has really taken off now that like there's an mls club in the city
3: well i I think the mls platform certainly helps uh you know amplify that tremendously Uh, but the the st luligans as a whole uh going all the way back and and when we were the luligan drum Core, and we were all kind of affiliated under that umbrella, uh, they were doing charitable you know, efforts. They're collecting donations at every game, having a uh, charity soccer tournament to celebrate the new year, canned food drives, like all of those things that are happening now You know, with the Luligans or the Thieves, their uh, kind of social justice group they all existed before and are just able to be amplified now that such a large platform has cemented itself in the city.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were doing, even before Florida noise was officially a thing we were meeting as a group. We didn't really have a name, um, but we were kind of meeting uh, for city two games. We got involved very early from um, getting into the neighborhood cleanups. We've done a couple neighborhood cleanups with uh, a community in St. Louis called Dutchtown. Um so yeah, Ooh, we, we would we like we a... would like Dutchtown, wouldn't we, Marie? <laughs> 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 we're we're both Dutch. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh yeah. And and Dutchtown's a really cool part of St. Louis. Um it, there's some really, really neat history there um that has gotten kind got of plastered over a bit because of, you know, just the, the problems that all cities have. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that there are some really dedicated people in the city of St. Louis that are trying to make communities better, and I think anything, again, that we can do to get on board with those things are are the things that we're trying to do. So we've been trying to do that um, before, but I think the amplification of who we are and our message has through MLS has allowed us to reach more people you know we would have never talked to you I don't think had we probably have, uh, not no <laughs> you know if, if it was still St. Louis FC so I think just yeah. the ability to get the message out and to talk to people is is really what's allowing us to to kind of expand that goal
1: yeah and if has the club itself been involved with you guys at all in this or is it um a bit separate
3: well, you're you're kind of looking at a really fine line, um,
1: uh-huh.
3: in that you know we we try really hard, uh, and I I would say by and large all the groups are very successful, uh, to maintain the line of independence between uh, the gr- yeah. the groups and the club. Uh, you know, Zach had alluded earlier to you know groups get called plastic or they get accused of selling out because they're taking resources from the club and it creates, you know, this, um, this impression or this idea of being indebted to the club, uh, which is not, not the case. And it's not something we, you know, even want to act in a way that would bring question to where that line is. So uh, we try and are very successful in keeping it independent. Uh, It's still a soccer supporters group. There's still a lot of soccer talk Uh, leagues across the world you know are discussed everyone's you know razzing each other about whose team won the morning before we started the cleanup you know all those things uh but we try very hard to make it community focused and and small group focused and not let the mls club overshadow what we're doing
2: but that being said the to the club's credit the members of the staff do come out. So Mm -hmm. our supporter liaison has come out to almost everything that we've done. Um, The community uh, outreach coordinators come out and do those things. So they are maybe not, we don't ask them to be officially involved, Mm -hmm. but as members of our community, they do tend to come out, which we notice and appreciate.
0: But at the same time, they're clearly not directing or orchestrating your actions or your images or your your chance yeah i get it exactly well i think that the you know having been a fan of of u.s soccer for a while i think on the mls side that clubs are just starting i think to become more aware that in order to create an environment for an authentic uh, supporter culture, there is the sense of tapping into what exists in the community already. And I think that y- if you just look at, again, from MLS's perspective, you look at the the, the communities that go into to build teams, um, it's shocking to me that it's taken this long for St. Louis to get a team. And you think of the, a lot of other cities in the country that have great soccer culture and have that community-based and a supporter base that's very tied into supporting the community like you've you know, so expressed so well in your connection. Um, but for a long time, they kind of ignored those, just following kind of the metrics of what are big commercial markets. And being, um, you know, being in Chicago here, and, and I am a long-suffering Chicago Fire fan, I must admit, uh, but i think that's one of the issues here is is that club being one of the the older clubs that was positioned positioned just because this was a big sports market team you know it still it still kind of struggles to have relevance in the community here because there was it the way it was built and continues to exist um wasn't really tapping into that culture, the soccer culture that did exist here. I think they're doing a lot to repair it. Um, but I think it's taken a long time for MLS to really acknowledge what already existed. Um, so I think it's it's really great to see in St. Louis that that, that is, is happened in a way. But with that said, I'm curious prior to this did did either of you follow mls did you have clubs in mls or were you kind of like you know that's going on that's great we're very focused on the teams we're supporting here at home
2: i don't know if i should legally answer this question because it gets me in (laughs) trouble a lot um i am i am not a a fan of the league of mls um Mm -hmm. i just i've never have been i don't kind of a, a lot of what you're alluding to a bit um, on the other side of that. Um, I'll credit MLS for getting me excited. Actually, it was Chicago Fire game that I won tickets to uh, when I was many, many years ago when I was a teacher um, mm-hmm. that got me to my first game. I went in and cheered with uh, Section 8 in Chicago and it was oh, great. Awesome. You know, yeah. it, was, it was kind of my first experience of, of a live supporter culture and I thought that was super cool. Um, but MLS as an entity leaves a lot to be desired for me Mm -hmm. on a sporting organizational side. Um, so I, I tend to stay out of a lot of the MLS conversations. Uh, Sam and I both support the same English Premier League team. Um, unfortunately, uh, Chelsea, um which Ooh. is uh, so sorry yeah no me too but gosh me too if if i could go back in time and choose another team golly would i um oh but, what are you talking about you guys
0: have so many high-priced players and high-priced and, and former uh, 100%, uh <laughs> managers yeah we
2: we paid 60 or 20 million dollars or 60 million dollars to get a manager and then we're gonna pay the rest of his contract after we fired him and it's not the first or the last time that we'll do that so yeah. um no, it, it really is. I mean, and I, I think Sam maybe has a, a different view of MLS, but we had, in my opinion, a really great community team in St. Louis mm-hmm. FC. Um, and not saying that City isn't or can't be, but the level of connection you got on the USL team versus the level mm-hmm. of connection you get from a, you know, a, a league that's trying to be a top league in the world, it's just mm-hmm. a different level. Um, and, and I think given the opportunity to choose between the two, I would have stayed where I was. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's not an option that we had. Um, and so, you know, we are where we are, but I, as an organization, MLS has never been something I have followed because I've never really enjoyed the way that they do things.
1: What, what would you see change about it?
2: Oh golly. If that
1: can be summed up into <laughs> words
2: <laughs> instead of just
1: groans.
3: <laughs> nah. Well, Justin, I I think to your point that you touched on, you know, we're seeing a paradigm shift in the league where you know clubs, not necessarily the league, but clubs are starting to respect the power of the supporters groups. Mm-hmm. and I, I don't mean that in any sort of, you know struggle but just the importance of having them around the importance of being on the same side you know how collaboration is beneficial for you know for both both organizations right uh you know it started in dc a couple years ago the columbus crew you know relocation right just disaster disaster is a huge piece of that too right so uh you know seeing the league give clubs the ability to shift and, and focus on Supporters relations and fan relations is, is a huge positive, uh, but in, you know until the league openly embraces it, you know it, it's going to be a hard, a hard sell for you know everyone to adopt in mass. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's always been there's always been a wall between the money making side of MLS yeah. and the sporting fan side of mls and i think if we can ever bridge the gap of this is not just a good marketing decision but it's a good decision for everybody involved i think that's where mls turns a corner
0: Mm -hmm. i i would agree and i i think that i mean just my opinion that comes from the The corporate side of it being kind of one a single entity that is is really managing all these teams down to a structural level, um, because I think like many American fans, I don't understand. I I would see the benefits of a true pyramid in this country uh, because that would also that would also loosen the control of obviously the corporate entity of MLS if they couldn't dictate what high priced um teams they decide are in their league, you know, if it's actually determined by who is promoted and relegated. Um but I have I have uh, Commissioner Garber, Garber here, so I have to move on. I'm not allowed to talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, Maria, do you have the next question?
1: We were checking out um the Florida Noise webpage and the Instagram and stuff and you guys have so many chants.
3: Um but... Yeah, we're we're at a point where uh, we have a rule where we you gotta it's like when you have too many shirts, right? If you want to buy a new shirt, you've gotta get rid of two or three of
1: them. One in one uh, out one in, one out per chance.
3: It's more often one out and five in, unfortunately.
1: I love it. I love it. I just what what are the criteria for a good chant? What makes it catch on? How do you spread the word? What goes into this? I need to know.
2: Oh, well, we've got a a podcast for you. It's called Show Up, Make Noise. And gosh, have we talked about it. Um, (laughs) But no, um, really, there are a couple things that make a chant work. Uh, One is recognizability. If you're going to do a song that you're going to write new words to, everybody has to know it. Um, Now that falls into a couple different categories and people in the same, in the soccer sphere differ greatly on what they think are the most popular things. Um, there are a lot of fans who very much just want to emulate everything that they hear um, from the terraces of England or, you know, from ultras around the world. Right. Um, there's also a group of fans who just want to do, um, you know, things that are based off of the, uh, traditional American or, or, uh, Hispanic chants that are, are, you know, familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's people like me who just want to do the stupidest thing possible. Um, because I think that's fun. Um, I like to do, I like to go for fun versus, um, I'm not the person who's going to write a super warlike chant. Um, (laughs) I think I think my uh, most war (laughs) war warlike suggestion was the one that ended up turning into what we just referred to as our SDL chant. If you listen to the game, you're gonna hear it after we score a goal. Um, It's really based off of a a Celtic war song um, that you would never ever know um, beyond the fact that it it ends up in triplets. Um, But the the things that have the ones that are the most fun for me are. We did a hit-me-baby-one-more-time, a, hit a shoot-it-baby-one-more-time. Um, but for us, again, we were terrible. Uh, so much of our history, we were a bad soccer team. St. Louis <laughs> FC, I loved them to death, and we had some good runs, but we were not good, and we didn't shoot the ball, and we didn't score. So 90% <laughs> of our chance were about we need to shoot more and we need to score and our the fact that we haven't scored yet is killing us so so many of our chants were just to entertain ourselves and to to find joy in a a patch of things you know but it's 90 oh, degrees and 150% humidity <laughs>
1: i could use some of these as a leeds united fan myself <laughs> i shout at the tv just shoot it right they, they don't <laughs> uh
2: and that's you know that's why we turn tequila into shoot it because um <laughs> one it that's the other thing you need for a good chant is there can't be a lot of words to it um we get a lot of people who send us chant ideas that are paragraphs
3: long and they're i mean it, they're fully baked like pop chart <laughs> lyrics in in these songs and the the creativity is a hundred percent like it's absolutely there and you're reading the lyrics and like well there could be something there but most fans don't want a fifth or a sixth or a seventh line more or less you know a second verse and then an interlude so it, it really is the simplest thing is gonna federate through the stadium the fastest yeah so
2: the things that we've ended up doing this year are really the chance that I would say, are probably my least favorite chants, but they're the ones that get people moving, and they're the ones Mm -hmm. that, if 3,000 people don't know your chant, they're going to pick up on the second go-around. It's not going to take 12 times at a video explainer to get them to understand it. Now, I'm going to keep putting out video explainers for chants I would like to do and (laughs) see if any of them ever pick up, but... The most important part, and we've said it from the very beginning, is that people chant. It doesn't matter what the chant is as long as people are doing it and as mm-hmm. long as people are making noise. It can be, you know, the greatest written chant in the world or it can just be a whole bunch of people making mouth noises. It really doesn't matter as long as the they're driving energy for the team and it gets our players moving in a way that uh, helps propel us forward. That's really the only thing that matters in a chance. So yes, we have a lot of creativity and we have a lot of fun things that we've written and whatever, but I would say 90% of them don't really ever happen because um, when, when you want, uh, you know, we, we, we try them, we'll try them and we'll, we'll keep trying them, but, when you try two or three in a row that don't work, eventually you just go back to the one, you know, everybody's yeah. going to do right. um, because that's the most important thing is being clever is an important being loud is important.
1: You have to kill your darlings. Hmm. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, I mean, I think the ones that that caught on the most was uh, we did a Jao Klaus. Obviously, you've got a goal scorer who wants to go out. And so we, you know, somebody suggested do Santa Claus is coming to town for Jao Klaus. Uh, and that's, it's, it's dumb, but it's such a fun chant, you know, and if you find a way to, you know, people want to write the verse for it and I'm like, nah, just make the ba-ba-ba-ba noise. Cause it's, yeah. you know, if you, if you don't have to learn the verse, why learn extra words? Just have fun and, you know, make noise doing it. So. <laughs> I think it
0: works so well cause he kind of looks like Santa Claus too. I mean, yeah, <laughs> our, our, four, our
2: 46 year old, 26 year old. <laughs>
0: What is the feeling, um, you know, you talk about your history of really coming up with a chance just to keep yourself distracted while you were supporting a struggling team. Now you've come out of the gates with kind of uh, starting a a team that's top of the supporter shield race, you know, top of the West. Um, And I would say, you know, definitely a contender for the end of the season. You know, there's a long way to go. Uh, but definitely at this moment, an exciting team that's scoring a lot of goals, um, that's winning. What is the, the the vibe in that stadium when you start one of these chants and they do take off like that? You know, it is, it is a pretty loud stadium. Right now with the uh, enthusiasm so high, it's packed. What does that feel like when you're like, okay, we're going to do this chant and you start and you just hear it take over the stadium?
3: I mean, it's... It's electric, you know. And people talk about the, these big moments and getting chills and goosebumps. Uh, we we gave up that penalty kick right in the last game, which wound up being all, all it needed—the the only shot on net from them. Uh, but we did just the straight STL chant. It, it's short. It's simple. Everyone knows it. It federates the stadium. Uh, the the Kapos, the chant leaders, were looking for the next chant and had called the next chant up to the drum platform and we were ready to cut over. And then you, you hear it off to your left. And the west side of the stadium is in line with you with the chant. And then you can hear it on the south side of the stadium. Everyone's in line with the chant. And suddenly the entire stadium is all, I'm not going to say in line with each other because sound... You know, how sound travels, but they're all doing the same chant and they're all generating a lot of noise. And even at like parade rest, City Park is a loud stadium. Mm-hmm. So when you get fifteen thousand people all yelling the same thing at roughly the same time, it's it's absolutely indescribable to sit there and listen to it happen.
2: Yeah, it's it's one thing to be in a in a stadium like, you know, we've uh being in St. Louis, we all love our blues or the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um and those stadiums are loud and they get to a, a fever pitch, but very rarely does everyone do the same thing at the same time. And those times where STL hits or um you know, we do Seven Nation Army, as everyone does, um, and everyone around the stadium picks it up. Or at the end of the game, if we win, we do St. Lou, uh, which is just Hey Jude, but to, to St. Lou. And that, when any number of people are doing it, like, that song, to me, is a full religious experience. Like, that, when, when we can play and we drop and everyone else keeps going, mm-hmm. uh, that that feeling is just something that it's a it's a 20,000 person chorus um and and that to me is just you know the connection of humanity um, is why we all kind of enjoy sport I think in a way uh, you know it bridges that weird, gap that we all have in, in here human person you know, interpersonal communication. Um that we can't always agree to the same thing. And at least for ninety minutes we can all kind of get locked in that way. And when we all sync up, it, it really is magic. Wow, that's amazing.
0: Um Maria and I were were curious about that that last game. Um and do you think that your players were distracted by those horribly ugly Minnesota kits? Or what? what's your explanation of what
2: happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean... If you look back at the the things that came out today, uh, a Minnesota player should have had a second yellow uh, in the 28th minute. <laughs> uh, as MLS agreed with us today on, that both uh, Tim Parker shouldn't have had a yellow and the other guy should have, because they find him over it. Um, so realistically, it probably should have been a different game. Um, in real time, it didn't really look like anything happened on the penalty we had very clearly cleared the ball but yeah. you know you look back at it he went through him a ref's gonna call that every time we maybe should have gotten a, a call the other direction on a high boot in the the box if you're gonna call one you should call the other um but you know honestly we're, we're gonna lose a game sometime and and i think the people who have been around for a long time in the soccer community we're just so darn happy we're winning. I yeah. mean, it really is. It just, it's it's a different level of, you know, we've seen great Open Cup victories and we've seen wins, but we've never seen dominant performances in the way that we've seen in a couple games. Like the Real Salt Lake game really stands out in my mind as a game that I was terrified of I I thought we were going to go in and it was going to be tough at altitude and we could have gotten beat badly. Yeah, they're tricky. And yeah. And that that Berkey save at the end of the first half, you know, everybody talks back to it. But that was that turning point of, oh, man, OK, we're still in it. And then we stepped on the gas and they didn't know what to do. And I think that Minnesota did a great job of making it so we couldn't step on a gas mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and I think they play a very similar style that we do. So um, when you put two very, very similar styles together, I think that's usually the kind of game you're going to get.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, a bunch of us were talking because it's not just the Minnesota game, right? We've got Seattle and Cincy, yeah. you know, coming up. So it's a, it's a tough stretch. And, you know, I was, I was talking to to some of the guys. too, it was like, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if we came out at five and three, right? Just looking at the teams, our luck isn't going to last forever. That's just the nature of, of the game. I really thought the Minnesota game, we had a shot at sneaking away a goal, uh, or, or at least walking away with a draw until that call. Uh, Minnesota did a really good job of dropping a four, four into the back and just made it so crowded in that final third yeah. of the field, you know, and, where against Real and against uh you know, Austin and, and the other teams, you know, Jao Klaus has been able to flick a ball and it's it's found somebody. Or Edward Leuven was able to, you know, float one in and it found somebody. There was just so many Minnesota United players in that back third that they just they just got in the way and they slowed it down and they parked and we we just weren't able to find find a lane to to shift into that gear we needed to.
0: Yeah and I mean you guys are on everyone's radar now so people are preparing in a way that, that they weren't at the beginning of the season uh, but I think I think it I think there's inevitably yeah, going to be losses but um I think it's Winning going to be a strong Winning overrated anyway. <laughs> okay, Leeds, I got you. <laughs> you guys won today, Maria. You guys beat Forrest today. You guys did better than Chelsea I today. Don't, so.
3: <laughs> I don't think, Zach, th- there's not a way to explain how much Zach is not exaggerating about we're just happy to see goals and a team that turns downfield and moves the ball and to have a guy who can play with his back to the net. Like, The bar was not high for what we would consider <laughs> You know, entertaining and successful soccer. So, so yeah. City has come in and built a system that's absolutely blown away the expectation or standard that anyone following the previous levels of St. Louis soccer would have expected.
2: Yeah, I mean, our our savior always was our our center back. You know, in previous seasons, our our most dependable goal scorer when we needed a goal was our our center back Sam Fink. So, <laughs> the fact that. None of our center backs are anywhere near our top threat is again, just wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling. So, you know, uh, John Terry used to score a lot of goals with his head for Chelsea. I'm I'm a big fan of a center bank uses his head to score, but um, I want, I want our attacking players to be attacking players. And yeah. that's something that city has not had a problem with so far. And that's very exciting. That's something Uh, I want. I'm just jealous. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just jealous. I mean, come on. Leeds has a lot of attacking players. None of them can figure out where the net is, but they have a lot of attacking players. (laughs) Little America's not doing great right now.
0: Uh, That's because they got rid of Captain Jesse Marsh. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Future coach of the Chicago Fire, Jesse Marsh. (laughs) Um,
2: I was thinking U.S. men's national team, but...
0: Well, yeah. Oh, no! I mean,
2: I don't. Yeah, well, I don't we're think. I don't think it'll be play. either. But we're writing a screenplay.
1: We're writing a screenplay where he comes back to Chicago. He comes and, home uh,
0: to reignite his yeah, love for the sport. Yeah, he comes home. I don't. I don't I'm think they could pay him enough. I don't think they could pay him enough. Oh my gosh. Um,
1: we'll change the names.
0: <laughs> Chicago, Leeds United, <laughs> um, or. Uh, so you mentioned some of the games uh, ahead that you're a tough stretch. Are there any games this season that you guys are especially looking forward to?
3: I mean, I, I can think of three right off the bat. They're all against the same team, though, right?
2: <laughs>
3: uh, we uh, we head to Kansas City for one, and we host them for two. And I think everybody in St. Louis is ready to you know, win those games and then move on from this just ridiculous notion that Kansas city has that we, that we don't like them or we like them or we even think about them. Uh, <laughs> you're, thinking about them right now. you're clearly disproving well, at the moment. <laughs> here's here's the thing. We
2: didn't think about them until they sent us cease and desist letters. Their lawyers have made us. Yeah, think about that was, them. That's
0: the... that was pretty ridiculous. And that got a lot of attention as well. Um,
2: yeah. Do you want to? Good on the, the River City Ramble guys. They really uh, they really framed that in a way that uh, that got them uh, a lot of traction, and that's that's some smart podcasting right there. So could you? Because
0: my understanding of that is their, their the, was it the name of their podcast or their group was similar to um, a, a one in Kansas City, and then the, the club actually issued their lawyers on them to change the name. Is that correct,
2: what happened? Yeah, so they they chose um, a name that was not trademarked at the time that they chose it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Casey had had it trademarked in the past and had let it lapse, and so they jumped on the name but did not trademark it um, because, you know, they are four guys in a basement. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> KC got wind of it, re trademarked their uh, previous podcast name, which was not even, it's not exactly the same, but it's close enough that a lawyer can argue that, um, you know, that they should change it. And, and there's a, there's a whole backstory and I'm sure someone else will tell it better than I will. So I don't want to ruin that story or give away something that is to come because there is more to this saga. I'm sure, Um, you know, we, we just saw today, uh, Matt Baker, who is uh, Mister Knowledge for everybody on the supporter side of uh, St. Louis Soccer, uh, said that the the company that owns City, uh, the larger LLC, uh, trademarked the Cease and Desist Cup today. Um, so <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that. We That's were gonna go great. with Derby Q. I think was the the one that the team was floating, but I think Cease and Desist Cup is really great. Um the Luligans wanna call it, they want to name it after the lawyer Andrea something or other. Uh but I think that's giving her a lot of credit. Like she didn't do anything wrong. Uh so I would I would say the cease and desist cup is where I hope it goes. I
0: think you should bring legal action against uh K C for having City in their name since their stadium's nowhere near a city. <laughs> <laughs> You're Which we're wrong. all very quick to remind all of the fans.
2: Yeah, they're they're real close to Dave and Buster's, though, so you can go uh, spend some tokens <laughs> on some ball right after the game.
0: But I mean, that's, that's going to be a great rivalry. And I think um, by the way, things look this year, you should you are in good position um, in that match for sure. So. I hope so.
2: They, As the St. Louis team, they were the first MLS team we ever played. We went there in 2015 as a USL team. We went to Sporting KC and we got shushed by Graham Zuzzi, um, mm-hmm. because we were out chanting their crowd. Uh, in a USL game, we brought 300 people uh, and, and made a whole heck of a lot more noise than they did. So um, we have a lot of history. Um, me personally, I just want to take it to Cincy because Cincy's insufferable. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think Sam hit it on the head that KC, I think, is going to be that those three games this year, um, and we've had history with KC fans, unfortunately, too. So yeah, um, it it is uh, it'll be a very interesting rivalry, I think, that has already borne some fruit before we've even kicked a game.
0: And that's great. It's great to have these rivalries starting to form in this league, um, like real, honest rivalries, not just proximity uh, created. So, I have one last question about <coughs> the the uh, Florida noise badge that you guys have. Where did who made that? And what's the story of that? Because I
2: I quite like it. I think it's pretty pretty great. So we had a member who met the designer of this logo, and I'm actually a huge fan of this guy's work, though I didn't know him previously. He created a bunch of logos for beer cans and things around um, uh, St. Louis. It's Shepherd Studios is the the name of the studio, Um, and Steve was the guy that specifically designed our logo, but he does hand-drawn. You know, a lot of people Mm -hmm. do the kind of, you know, Very digital design, and Steve's thing is very organic, very hand drawn. Um, and he did some CBD seltzers, which I'm a huge fan of uh, because I don't drink a lot of alcohol, uh, prior or contrary to the the St. Louis supporter uh, ethos, and drink (laughs) beer all the time. Um, but I really enjoy those as, as a cocktail that other people, you know, while other people are drinking. Um, and so I was always a huge fan of that art and I just kind of randomly came up that this guy was around. We reached out, um, and he did gosh, one draft that was absolutely the antithesis of everything we said we wanted in a, in a logo. And we all saw it and went, yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> that's what the logo should be. That's the um, the
0: best design does that, yeah.
2: It is. Like it really it was so different than what any of us had in our head, but I think Sam would agree. We all saw it and there have been like four or five minor changes that happened, but more or less the logo that he put out was the logo that we ended up going with. And and that really is the
3: the signal of great design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was more, like The only thing we changed There was a, a horizontal bar Down in kind of the bottom third of the logo And then on the second swing He turned it into a drumstick And we were like, alright, there we go Now
2: yeah. now people
3: know what we do
2: Yeah, and we added a third noise line They're The noise lines that come out of the middle Of the thing that break through the, the uh, Badge we, we added a third one of those I think that was the only thing that changed In the whole design uh, but yeah, he does incredible work and, and cannot be more thankful uh, for him and the uh, incredible uh, price he gave us on doing the work for us. So, uh, because, you know, everything we do comes out of our pocket, more or less. So, um, we're always grateful when we have partners that are willing to, to help out and, uh, you know, go on a revenue share model versus a, a flat payout the front model. <laughs> well, I think it's a really uh,
0: well designed and fun. And kind of organic uh, of logo badge. And I think it's a great representation for what the sense I get from you both, uh, Zach and Sam, which I'm sure is representative of so many uh, fans in St. Louis. Um, And I think Zach, you said it earlier that really summed it up is, you know, so much about our love for the game and, being involved in supporters groups is about this connection with humanity. Um, And I've just really enjoyed this chance to get to know both of you and make that connection. So I really appreciate you coming on. And I just have one last question. If today, with their current teams, St. Louis played Chelsea, who would win and what would be the
3: score?
2: Oh, shit oh my god like
3: like the the very immediate chelsea squad
0: the immediate chelsea squad and manager situation
2: i still think chelsea wins it like two nothing but it's a very unconvincing two nothing
3: (laughs) yeah i i chelsea chelsea edges us on yeah like on natural talent Um, yeah you know, like like an Enzo Fernandez who just has an un an ungodly amount of talent, and that it sneaks in. So I I would say probably two one. I think City gets okay. one back in the seventieth. <laughs> yeah, we might we might get a set piece in there somewhere.
2: <laughs> Klaus ends up with the ball right in front of the goal somehow. Oh yeah, hey, yeah. Uh, Bachiwi is going to pass it straight back to him. Not Bachiwi. What's the. Uh... Uh, gosh dang it. I I'm so bad with names. That's this is right. why I don't say, why I don't do a player podcast. <laughs> I talk about songs.
0: <laughs> well, it's been great. And I appreciate I really appreciate uh, talking to both of you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yeah.
1: Thank yeah you thanks so for much. having
2: us.
0: That was very enjoyable, I have to say. Um first of all. Zach has one of the most soothing voices ever.
1: <laughs> just he like, should he should definitely podcast more often, Zach.
0: I would also just you know, I would follow that voice anywhere. You know, chant whatever you want to chant, Zach. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> um, but really, um, that uh, Fluor noise is doing great things, and it it really is a good. I think view into the exciting culture surrounding uh st louis city but really just soccer culture in st louis i think a lot of us just are this idea that oh this new mls team popped up out of nowhere but it's clearly not out of nowhere there's a lot of fertile ground in history down there that this team is built on and um that was just a really fun interview to get to know them
1: yes, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yes wow yes well well said maria (laughs) it is
0: late at night okay
1: yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well done well um that was great it's late um so maybe we should wrap it up but we'll be back next week and we are going to get to our um, turkey episode which i'm very excited about um so until then what are you looking forward to this week maria
1: I am looking forward to the Fire and the Red Stars winning this weekend.
0: Oh, man. You so cursed us. Oh, baby. I'm I'm looking forward um, to Leeds ending up above Chelsea in the Premier League table at the end of the I season. I
1: think there are only two spaces below. Two spots, but, but, it's, like but ten, it's quite a few points. Ten points. Still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two, two
0: spaces, <laughs> ten points. Um. Okay, so we will be back next week and we're going to talk turkey. Sounds good.
1: Woohoo. Bye.
0: All right.
2: Bye. <laughs> <laughs>